This episode is sponsored by No Filter and Other Lies by Crystal Maldonado, read by Frankie Corzo. Not everyone is who they appear to be on social media. In No Filter and Other Lies, written by Crystal Maldonado and read by Frankie Corzo, that's certainly the case. 21-year-old Max Monroe, a popular picture-perfect Instagram influencer, is really quiet and sarcastic 16-year-old Kat Sanchez. But when one of her posts goes viral, her fake and her real worlds collide. Press play on No Filter and Other Lies to find out what happens next. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by Erica Azafetti and me, Tears of Price. We are recording on February 10th. And hello, Erica. Well, hello, Tirza. How are you? I'm well. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. You know, just trying to make it out here as usual. You know. Yeah. And we were just talking about how January seemed to drag, but February is now flying by. Which flying. is insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I don't know how I feel about it. Well, I do know, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're just, like, keeping our heads above water, but yeah. this is definitely a bright spot getting to record with you. And For we got sure. some fun stuff today, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Before we dive into, like, our news and our topic of the day, we do just want to mention that Book Riot has a new line of bookish Wordle-inspired merch. There are mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. These are, you know, temporarily available, so definitely don't wait on ordering yours. The link to order is in the show notes, but also www.bonfire.com slash store slash book hyphen riot. They are very cute. And as a Wordle addicted person, I feel like I need all the merch, even though I probably no, I know I don't need it. I want all the merch. I'll just be real. Right. That's fair. I was supposed to be like, well, maybe I do need it. I was just about to ask you how you feel about Wordle. How, how do you how do you feel about Wordle lately? I mean, like, I feel like it's gotten harder. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. This morning was very hard. I was, so my partner and I both do it. We do it like first thing in the morning when we wake nice. up. And nice. it was just funny because my partner <laughs> normally hates word games, but like I right. turned them on to this. And like the other day, as we were going to bed, they were like, I can't wait for my next Wordle. And I was like, Bless. oh my God. That you. is so cute. <laughs> It was pretty funny. But this morning they got it really easily and mm-hmm. I struggled. And <gasps> I was like having, I was like, can you give me a hint? Can you do this? And they were like, Wow. Wow, Teresa. And I was like, I just, you know, I do have a lot of coffee and sometimes my brain isn't working. But I love Wordle. I'm currently on like a 37 day streak. I'm very happy for the Wordle creator for, you know, making that millionaire money from the New York Times. So that's all awesome. Um, But yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I haven't been playing it consistently. I haven't played it today. I think it's funny, a lot of other people at Book Riot, we actually talk about, um, like, oh, the Wordle thing today, da 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 So we're all, like, you know, discussing it and stuff like that. I feel like it has gotten harder for me lately. I don't know, you know, I don't know what your partner, I guess they're just <laughs> really good, you know, but I have been, I don't know, I feel like maybe since the New York Times acquired it, 
you know, but it's really fun. And it's, I too love like when there are these seemingly like, like it's such a simple idea. Yeah. But the creator is like a millionaire now because of it. So I, that's I love that for them. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. It is really cool. I, I yeah, it's been having a lot of fun with it. And the thing that I think I probably love the most about Wordle is that you can only do one a day. Like when I first started playing, I was pissed yes. because I was like, well, now I want more. Yeah. But now I like I yeah. haven't downloaded any of like the knockoff apps because it actually is great. Because I know that if there were more available, I would like sit and do Wordle instead of like writing or doing my work. So it's great because like I get that in. And then I have to move on with my life. No, it's perfect. That and the fact that the words are only five (laughs) words long. And it's like, it's so, those two things are just like genius components to it, I feel. Yeah, totally. Well-deserved millions, sir. Or ma'am, I forgot who. I I do not know the gender, but good job. Good job, world creator. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Oh, all right. So we're going to move into the news and we've got two news items and one is like not strictly YA related. We just love this news, um, which is that Dollywood Parks and Resorts is now covering tuition for all of their employees, be them part time, full time, you know, temporary seasonal, like Dolly's going to send you to college. And I love that. Period. Dolly <laughs> is... Dolly is that girl. Love Dolly. I don't know anyone who doesn't love Dolly. And fun fact, my aunt for the longest time in Nashville, I think she had a house that was like right down the street from Dolly Parton's recording studio. Uh, and so like, cool. I mean, <laughs> we didn't know Dolly or anything like that. It's not like we went to the recording studio, but I do tell that to people as a point of like, <laughs> oh, well, I was, you know, within proximity of Dolly Parton uh, at certain times. She's just so cool. Like, if you've ever, like... Even if you don't like country music, if you, even if you don't like mm-hmm. her music, if you've ever, like, watched a documentary about her or her life or, like, know anything about her philanthropy, she's just awesome. She's, she like, is. one of those celebrities that I would be, like, genuinely heartbroken if anything bad ever, like, surfaced about them. <gasps> oh, I was thinking that. She's just so cool. So, yeah. yeah. And I love that. I, I said to my partner, I wish that more like billionaire tech bros would be like Dolly when it comes to like using their money to create better opportunities and improve the lives of people and their employees and, and whatnot. So, okay. So let's talk about how that's like the comment I see right after the tweet that announces this. <laughs> Imagine if certain, you know, people were to do that, two in particular that they mention. Mm-hmm. I remember one of them had asked, I think they these two people, they were going back and forth uh, uh, during the pandemic on like, like one would be the richest man in the world and the other would be something like that. I don't know. But like, I remember one of them, he asked people on Twitter how he could help like the world with his money or whatever. I'm like, bro. <laughs> You need to ask Twitter for that? Like, you don't have a few ideas of your own? Maybe you should. Meanwhile, his company got sued by a uh, black man who won because they were um, discriminating against him being, you know, racially. He won oh. like $100 million. Good for him. I'm glad. Yeah. So let's Anywho. start like let's start there anyway yes <laughs> dolly is great and all these other girls need to learn from her period so yes dolly is great yes <laughs> all right our last piece of news before we head into our topic of the day is that yesterday um tiffany d jackson who 
I love as an author. I think she's fantastic. She revealed not one, but two exciting things. So the first is the cover of her next book, um, The Weight of Blood, which has some, like, for real Carrie vibes. Yes. And it's gorgeous and dark and bloody. I think it looks like another horror novel. So it comes out this fall. Definitely click the link in the show notes to check it out if you haven't already seen it. And then the other piece of news was that her horror novel, White Smoke, has been optioned um, to become a TV show, which that book scared the crap out of me. So I'm excited for her. And for me, although I'm also nervous about the idea of watching a TV show version, (laughs) because I think it will scare the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a weenie, so I have to, the only way I watch scary movies and shows is, like, if I have, like, moral support, and I don't watch them at (laughs) nighttime usually, but I am really intrigued. I got that book from the library. I need to read it. The Like, after you hyped it up, I was like, you know what, I think I really want to read this. And yeah, her cover is gorgeous. It definitely, I don't know what the book is about yet, but it definitely is giving, like, Carrie T's like remixed Carrie maybe with like you know a black main character or something like that yes. so I'm interested in like the social commentary and stuff that's going to come with that I think it's going to be like interesting really yeah the blurb says after a teen girl is exposed and bullied online for passing as white at the insistence of her fanatical father students attempt to change their school's racist image by hosting their first integrated prom but a heinous prank will cost them all their lives as there's more to the girl that beats the eye so sounds dark mm. Sounds bloody. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Yeah, it looks... I'm definitely here for all of that. <laughs> so, it looks really good. Yes. So, that is our news. Um, should we move into our topic of the day? Yes, yes, yes. So, it is Black History Month, which is fun, of course. Always love seeing new um, stuff by Black creators, which, of course, should be highlighted at all times of year, but we know, you know, what's going on with that. So happy to see new stuff now. Um, so for today, we wanted to talk about books by Black authors and about Black people, but we wanted to focus instead of uh, focusing on, like, trauma and stuff like that. We wanted to focus on joyous things. So today, the books we are going to be talking about are going to be on Black joy and Black people having fun and doing all the fun things, sweet things. A lot of them, I will say the ones I've chosen at least, are romance focused. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you had that same experience of finding ones that are kind of fun, but that are like not romance focused. But I mean, romance is fun. You know, happily ever afters, you know, give you that, you know, endorphin release. So I'm cool with that. (laughs) But I have, I did notice that. I don't know if you came across the same thing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really great romances coming out. And romances are kind of like a good sort of way to guarantee some joy in your life because romance is usually happy. You know, not to say that there aren't some great romances that don't also sort of dig into, you know, darker subjects or trauma because that's definitely the case. But yeah, no, I went with two like straight up romances and then two that are... I would say romantic in nature at times, but also just like more on the funny side. 
you know, and they still deal with like some tough subjects in life and there are some still some serious moments and some soul searching and some angst. But like these are the books that, you know, the focus is on happiness, not necessarily overcoming trauma. Exactly. And I, I will say, too, of course, a lot of, like, as you were just saying, they're going to have some, like, sticky moments, and not every situation is going to be pleasant. But I do think, and I, I think that adding that makes the happily ever after or the the more happy moments that much happier. So I think yeah. it complements, you know, and gives, like, a well-rounded story and stuff like that. Absolutely. And I think, like, yeah, like, the reality is that I mean, and I'm saying this as a white person, but I think the reality is that, you know, racism does exist in the world. So you can still have like a mostly happy book that, you know, still talks about like the realities of race, but like isn't doing it in a way that it's like, oh, it's it's heavy or it's only about the race aspect. So because I think there's a couple of my picks that I think do that really well. Yeah. And it's funny because, well, what is funny? I'm getting a little ahead of myself. What I mean is... That black people, and I'm going to focus on black Americans because that's my experience. But like, you know, since we were brought to this land or whatever, we've been having fun this whole time. Like, you know, there have been hard times, but there have been great times as well. So it's it's interesting that a lot of literature has focused on just solely on the bad times, which we all ex- we experience all of them. But I have I have seen a concerted effort now to move away from trauma as far as um, black stories are concerned, the show is a great example. Um, and as far as like other marginalized groups are concerned, like queer stories and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever marginalized group. But it's just, I just wanted to add that because I'm like, it's interesting that um, so many things, and this extends outside of books, you know, movies and TV shows, it shows like, you know, one aspect. Even when it thinks or it purports to be kind of like, on our side, let's say, or kind of like, I don't want to say necessarily doing us a favor, but like, you know, not trying to be racist and stuff. It's still a lot of things have tended to focus on trauma stuff, but it's like, Mm -hmm. we have these, you know, other, you know, that's definitely not a part, like 100% of our day to day. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, focusing on our oppression, like we know it's there. It's in the back of our minds. But like, we don't go through the day thinking about you know stuff like that so it's just just the thing i uh thought of in the moment just now and i'm just like you know it's kind of funny that that has been the case but here we are today gonna talk about some fun things some fun stories before we get into it should i read the next sponsor yeah so this episode is sponsored by mcmillan audio from stories that take you to the stars to stories that span into other times and realms to stories set in the magical now. Reclaim the Stars, edited by Zoraida Cordova and read by Almarie Guerra, takes the Latin American diaspora to places fantastical and out of this world. Follow princesses warring in space, haunting ghost stories in Argentina, mermaids off the coast of the Caribbean, swamps that whisper secrets, and many more realms explored and unexplored. This stunning collection of 17 short stories breaks borders and realms to prove that stories are truly universal. So thanks again to our sponsor, Macmillan Audio. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, for sure. Um, first one I have is Now That I Found You by Christina Forrest. So Now That I Found You by Christina Forrest is about Evie 
who hails from a long line of movie people. They're like in the entertainment industry or whatever. And her grandmother is this legendary cinema icon who was in a super famous relationship with another iconic black actor and lives now as this like fabulous older eccentric lady in New York City. Her parents are in the film world too, but they do these like really well-received documentaries. Evie wants to be part of the entertainment industry too, but wants to follow more in her grandmother's footsteps and be an actress. Well, right now, right before she's set to graduate from high school, she gets this big role in a movie by this really well-known director because of a smaller part she played in another of his movies. So like... As a result of this, her world gets opened up. She's doing interviews. People are chanting her name, all that good extra stuff. But she gets a little too comfortable and makes a mistake behind closed doors that is recorded and goes viral. I don't know what she was thinking, but here we are. So courtesy of a salty so-called friend who, you know, leaks the video. Now she's fired from this movie and kind of desperate to make up for this lost chance So she's desperate enough to try to star in this movie with her grandmother's ex-husband. And this ex-husband is the iconic actor I mentioned a a minute ago that her grandmother used to be married to and who her grandmother is currently estranged from. Like, she cannot stand this guy. She's not here for him. So Evie is desperate enough to go against her grandmother's wishes and interact with this guy. And the thing is... The actor, he won't cast Evie as a lead without her grandmother's approval. But her grandmother, Gigi, which is the like quintessential eccentric grandmother name, I think. Her grandmother, Gigi, has disappeared. And so now Evie has to get help from this 19-year-old guy named Milo, who she was introduced to because Milo answered her grandmother's phone one time, which was interesting. Um, so she has to team up with Milo to find her grandmother and Milo, he's like her grandmother's musician friend who happens to be super handsome and together the two of them journey around New York City to find out where Granny Gigi has gone. There are a lot of super interesting diverse characters. Milo is super sweet. Evie on the other hand can be a little self-centered at times, but there is some great character development with her. I always love Uh, Stories based in New York City, especially lighthearted ones. They're like traveling around, um, seeing all these great, you know, eccentric New York City things. So it's super fun. Again, that is Now That I Have Found You by Christina Forrest. I love that book. It was so much fun. I Mm -hmm. read it for a podcast episode last year. And yeah, it gives you like all the, I don't know, sort of Hollywood feels without necessarily the... Like, I don't like the too much drama and cattiness. Like, this one felt like a really grounded Hollywood novel. Yeah. I think maybe maybe it's kind of like, because there's like Hollywood in, in Hollywood, like California, California. And then there's like Hollywood and entertainment stuff. East Coast version, maybe? that I don't know. I'm just trying to like explain. I felt the same way. And I'm trying to like get to the bottom of it. But yeah, yeah. super fun. Definitely a good little like summer read or anytime read, of course. But yeah. Yeah. It's a very fast read. I think you could read it in a single setting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. My first pick is one that I read a couple of years ago. So it's been a minute, but I loved it so much. And I still think about this book because I feel like it's super underappreciated. It's Not Now, Not Ever by Lily Anderson. 
And it's technically, I think, like marketed as a sequel to her debut novel, The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You. However, it isn't like a standalone sort of companion, in my opinion. Like you see, like the the protagonists and the central characters are different from the first book. um, But the first book's characters are like secondary characters and not now, not ever. Um, So you can read them out of order. So this one is about Elliot. And she's a very funny teenager. She lives in California. She has, you know, a mom and a dad who are separated and her dad's remarried. She is biracial. So her mom is in the Air Force and her mom is like super strict, super hardcore. She really, really wants Elliot to follow in her footsteps and enlist after high school. Um, meanwhile, her dad's like, you should go to mock trial camp at UCLA. You need to go to college. And, and then her stepmom is just like, well, if you stay home, you can, you know, be a part of my community theater production, which is the importance of being earnest, which is a fantastically hilarious play, by the way. Anywho, she's like, I don't want to do neither of those things. And instead, she secretly enrolls in a very cutthroat academic summer camp at a small university in Oregon. And she wants to go there because it's like the only university that has um, a science fiction lit program that she wants to take at some point in college. And also it has like Octavia Butler's novels and all of her her work and her papers in the library. And she loves Octavia Butler. So she's like, I've got to get there. So she secretly enrolls into this program. She like gives all of her parents this like misdirection. Like she tells one parent she's going to be one place. Another parent, she's going to be another place. She has like pulled off the perfect con and she's really smug about it. She like takes the, the train or the bus. I forget which one up to Oregon and she sets foot on campus and she is going to rebrand herself as ever Lawrence. And she's finally going to like have a, summer where she can sort of define herself like just on her own without like people knowing who her parents are or people knowing who her family is and she's really really fan you know excited it's gonna be fantastic and then her cousin shows up (laughs) and her cousin's like what are you doing here and she's like what are you doing here (laughs) what are you doing here Exactly. And so, like, but the problem is, by the time her cousin shows up, she's already, like, spun this, like, new identity for herself. And she doesn't want anybody to know that, like, he's her cousin because she might have also pulled off some, like, mild identity theft in order to, like, pull off this entire summer excursion. So she has to, like, pretend that he's her brother and he's, like, holding it over her head like I could you know put in one phone call to the family at any second and this all could come tumbling down so it is like a very I would say not like a straight retelling of the importance of being earnest but it is a bit of a like homage to Mm. that whole setup Mm-hmm. It's really funny. It's also just, you know, this sort of soul-searching novel because Elliot slash Ever wants to make her own way in life, but, like, she's also 
very cognizant of the fact that like she is who she is because of her family and she does feel like she owes her family you know some some respect in for what they have done and the choices that they've made and for her it's not as clear cut as like I will never ever join the air force or you know I will only go to college or only do this one thing like she's got to figure it out on her own and I really enjoyed that aspect of it there's also a romance but if you have never read Lily Anderson like you were in for a treat she writes the most hilarious novels like everything is bantery and funny and like it will make you snort laugh Mm -hmm. because that's just how great she is so this is not now not ever by Lily Anderson. You do not need to read The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You in order to get this book, but I highly recommend that one as well. I like, this sounds really good, and I love, I don't know what it is about, like, people who like to read, I'll put myself in this category, of people who like to read, who like to read about readers and read about writing, especially things that take place in bookstores or things about writers and stuff, so that, that aspect of her trying to get into that program and I have heard, I think they do have the um, Octavia Butler's journals and stuff in real life. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. I love her love of Octavia Butler because mm. I think I'd only read one Octavia Butler book when I picked this one up. And then I learned a lot about Octavia while reading it. And then I was like, well, now I've got to go back and read more Octavia Butler, which is always a good choice. I love that. Yeah. And I love when um, in books... It's talking about, like, other writers, like Octavia Butler getting a shout out. And I like to – it's interesting just thinking of, like, when family places these expectations on you. It's kind of – it's interesting. I wonder why people do it sometimes. I'm like, if I had my own kid, I would just, like, you know, just tell them to, you know, do whatever they wanted to. But, maybe I mean, maybe it's a way to um, make sure they're – settled and stable maybe i don't know yeah just hearing you talk about like her you know parents one parent wants her to do this and another wants her to do that and that's just a common theme in ya of course because it's a common theme in real life yes (laughs) so it's just an interesting thing to think about um, why people put those expectations on their kids you know yeah i think it's it I'm trying to remember, like, the context of this book, because, like I said, it's been a couple of years since I read it. But I think a lot of it probably has to do, too, with, like, yeah, like, you know that the world is tough. You know the world's hard. And, like, if you've done this thing, and then if your kid does this thing, you can kind of help shepherd them through it because you know the world and you know what to expect. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult to be a teenager wanting to find your own way and maybe not even knowing what that way is when your parents have like very specific ideas of what they want you to do. Yeah. I think that's that your interpretation that you just gave makes sense. And it's like a more, I guess, endearing kind of spin on that. Like I can help you if you do this and it's a great thing. So, you know, that'll, you know, make sure that your bills are paid (laughs) X, Y, Z. So yeah. Assuming the parents are coming from like a place of love and not a place of control. Yes. That's, Usually I look at, I kind of look at it as the latter, like as a place of control. Cause I'm like, why are you, why are you pressed? But I think that's a, another way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> so not now, not ever sounds really good. Uh, Lily Anderson is a hoot and a half. I have read her. I read her uh, Undead Girl Gang, I think it's called. Yes, so great. Super funny. There's a quote from there that I thought like made me gag. Not well, I guess that kind of spoils it. I don't okay. Know. It's so good. It was though. like 
which one of you B-words killed me? Which I just thought, it, in the context of the story, it was super funny. Yes. But, yes. So, that sounds really good. Definitely going on the TBR. The next one I have is a collection of stories. It's called Blackout. It's by Danielle Clayton, Tiffany D. Jackson, Nick Stone, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk, and Nicola Yoon. And it is about New York City. And how New York City is experiencing this really intense heat wave and the lights go out as a result. So, which is, you know, basically a blackout. So while the city is experiencing this blackout, we follow the relationships of some black teenagers. Um, There are six stories here that do a pretty good job of including different aspects of blackness and black sexuality. Each story is handled by one author, but you end up seeing how the characters and the stories are all connected I think the blackout concept works well as a romance trope because it makes the characters focus on their relationships more. Uh, in one story, exes are forced to reconnect because of the blackout. Then there are, uh, there's another story with longtime friends that are thrown together. Then there's another one where people meet for the first time. And the one of the stories, the one about the exes, is called The Long Walk, and it's by Tiffany Jackson. And this story kind of centers the entire book and is told in acts, like like act one, act two, so on and so forth throughout the entire collection. It focuses on Tammy and Kareem, who were previously in a relationship, broke up, and are now starting at the same job. And, you know, they're both like, what are you doing here? Kind of like the cousins <laughs> in the, um, the book you just were talking about, Tirza. So another story called All the Great Love Stories... And Dust takes place in the New York City Public Library and involves best friends maybe becoming something more. Then there's a story called Mask Off by Nick Stone and one called Made to Fit by Ashley Woodfolk. And these are both delightfully queer stories. Um, This collection is lighthearted, but still shows personal growth. And I think there's a lot going on with it so that it kind of has something for everyone. So again, it's called Blackout by, I'll just say by da- Danielle Clayton, but it's really by six authors. Awesome. I think it's a great like summer, you know, summery read. Well, of course you can read it anytime, but it takes place in the summer. So Awesome. Yeah, I still haven't read that, but I was just looking at it at the library the other day. So I'm going to have to check it out. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right. My next pick is Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles. And this is a hilarious book about like some serious subjects. But it is the story of Dell, who is this teenage boy who just has started recently going to church with his mom. And his mom has like not really been a churchgoer for much of his life. But all of a sudden lately, she's wanting to go back and she takes him with her. And he has like no say in this like It's like, get up, you're going to church on Sundays, which as somebody who grew up in a very religious household, relatable, I definitely was laughing at a lot of the church stuff in this book, because even though (laughs) the church culture that I went to was very different, because I was, Mm -hmm. you know, more like laid back or not, more straight laced Lutheran, there's like so many similarities in like, yeah, church culture. Mm -hmm. So anywho... Dell's going to church every Sunday with his mom, and he's mostly, like, while he's there, just, like, completely zoned out. Um, but the one nice thing about church is that Kiera goes to the same church, and he has had a crush on Kiera. 
ever, but she's always had this boyfriend. Well, lately, this boyfriend broke up with her. She's single. He's thinking, maybe I can get in with her um, because he really likes her. And so it's like one Sunday, he's kind of zoned out. And then all of a sudden, the pastor is like calling up all of like these teenagers in the church to come stand up front. And Dell thinks that it's like a volunteer opportunity. And he's like, I'll volunteer if I get to hang out with Kiera. And so he stands up as well. And he goes up there. Once he gets up there, he realizes that it is not a volunteer opportunity. He has just signed himself up for Purity Pledge, which whoops. Did not mean to do that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So first of all, not only does he like, like he's a virgin, but a lot of people don't realize that he's a virgin because he was really good friends with another girl at his school who ended up getting pregnant. And so this is where I thought like the author did such a good job of pulling in like a lot of really interesting elements about sexuality and toxic purity culture and all sorts of stuff because Dell agrees to do this purity pledge. His parents are kind of like, really? Okay, well, if you want, that's what you want, you know, have fun. And the only person who seems to like know what he's trying to do is another guy who also goes to church named Jameer. And Jameer is like, my dude, this is not the way. Like, if you want to get in with Kira, like, you got to be legit with this. Like, <laughs> you can't half ass this, basically. Oh my and God. So, so Dell's like, okay, you help me like be good at purity pledge and hang out with Kira. And in return, um, Jameer has Dell asking their sex ed teacher all of these questions about like bodies and sex because none of the kids in Purity Pledge are allowed to take sex ed at school because the pastor is like, nope, that's that's we don't want our teens corrupted, which is, as you can probably Mm. tell by our tone, a very bad idea. So so that is kind of like the situation that they've got going on. You know, there's sex ed at school that only some people are allowed to take. And there's also been this scandal at the school where, remember, Dell's friend who got pregnant, well, she was part of like this wave of girls who weren't all friends, but like nonetheless, like a bunch of girls in their school all became pregnant within like a very short period of time. And the news and the um, adults were kind of like freaking out. They were like, oh my goodness, why, why do we have so many teen pregnancies? And like, rather than like look to the obvious answer, which is like your sex ed education is crummy. They think that it's like a pregnancy pact called the Baby Getters Club. And so there's like a lot of political stuff going on with sex ed on both ends of of the spectrum. You know, the people who are like abstinence only, the people are like, well, clearly that doesn't work um, because look at all these pregnancies. And Dell is really like caught up in the middle of it. And he's, um, I'll be real, he's very self-centered for most of the book. And as... A, you know, a woman, I'm just like, oh, my God, you're going about this the entirely the wrong way. But, you yeah. know, that's kind of the point. And I understand that for some readers that might be really trying to, like, read about. But, like, I feel like the redeeming part about this book is it's so darn funny. I was just like, oh, my God, this is a disaster situation. But I was laughing and I couldn't stop listening to the audiobook because it was really, really good and really funny. So the good news is you know, Dell's eyes are opened to the fact that like, you know, you can't just like sign up for a purity pledge, a thing that you don't believe in, in order to like, get the girl like it doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, God. So yeah, there and 
But the other, you know, really great thing about this book is there's a really large cast of very funny, very, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just diverse and also um, varied characters um, from all sorts of, you know, walks of life and different experiences. And this is like really a good coming of age novel about Dell's eyes being opened to like the realities and the complications of sexuality, but also, you know, the intersection of like issues of consent and boundaries and how it's not as the title says, so pure and simple. Like, there, it can be very nuanced and there can be a lot of complexities. So that's why I call this book, like, the funniest book about some very, very serious topics that you will probably read. Um, it is Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles. That sounds really good. I loved it. I like that it it has, sounds like it has so many things that it's juggling, but balancing well. And I just yes. have a side note, like, comment on... Um, like the whole no sexual education and uh, as a form of birth control and stuff like that. Cause I, you speaking about like, you know, sex ed and stuff it makes me remember high school sex ed class. And I'm just like, the idea of not teaching sex ed to like try to prevent teenagers from having sex is so backwards. We know it's backwards, but I'm just thinking like when I was taking those classes, that was like the least sexy thing was looking at those diagrams and stuff. I'm right? like, who is like trying to like score or what after this? I'm like, this is so uncomfortable and awkward. Yes, exactly. We were all so miserable and we all just wanted to like leave class as soon as possible. Like nobody was like, oh, I saw a diagram and sex ed. Now you want to get it on after school? Like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that how you said that, that reminded me of, uh, what is his name? Steve? Buscemi, there's like a meme or gif where he's like, what's up, fellow kids? Yes, exactly. Like, you want to get it? Like, what's up? You know, so I'm just like, who, who is, like, obviously we know, like, those people, the people that endorse no sex ed as a form and abstinence as a form of birth control. We know, like, you know, that's not the way to do it. But it's also like, where is the logic (laughs) it is lacking it's just like that's the least it is super duper lacking which we also already knew but just another angle on that yeah um but no that sounds really fun and really good yes it's funny i'm from the south but my mother did not make me go to church so it's it's always but i was surrounded by people who were who had to go to church so i'd be like oh i was interested in it i kind of wanted to go but yeah yeah that sounds really good it was really great. And I think that he does such a good job of, like, nailing all, like, the different, like, aspects of Dell's life and the church culture. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. So. Mm-hmm. It sounds really well balanced. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about more books. But first, I have to sneak in another sponsor. <laughs> so this episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. Um, so from Diana Urban, author of All Your Twisted Secrets, comes These Deadly Games, a high-stakes thriller narrated by Audiophile Earphones Award winner Kate Rudd. The stakes are through the roof when Crystal Donovan gets a message with a picture of her sister gagged and bound. To save her little sister, she has to play the kidnapper's game. But when the tasks she must complete threaten to kill her friends, she has to make some difficult choices. Is the kidnapper trying to sabotage her gaming tournament team? Or do they know Crystal's secrets and are they making her pay? These Deadly Games is perfect for fans of I Know What You Did Last Summer and One of Us Is Lying. This race against the clock is an explosive thriller you won't be able to pause. So thank you to Macmillan Audio. Yes, yes, yes. 
So the next book I have is Love Radio by Ebony Liddell. So we have Prince Jones, who has a radio show called Love Radio on a Detroit radio station. On it, he gives people advice on their relationship problems. So obviously this means he sees himself as an expert on all things love. He is a romantic and he's really looking forward to falling in love and also has this dream of becoming a DJ. Those are like his two things. Like he wants to get a girlfriend and he wants to be a DJ. So the thing is, though, he also feels that these are unattainable things to him because he basically is like the backbone of his family. His mom has multiple sclerosis and he helps look after his brother. And so he thinks like the closest he'll come to achieving these things is like being in a, you know, a worthy relationship will be him speaking on the radio show to other people about their relationships. So then he meets Danny, who is just minding her business like you do. Basically, she's trying to finish high school right in the right way, which for her means getting a scholarship and going to New York City to become a writer. Um, She has some things to work through, though, before she can really achieve what she wants to. There's this thing that happened at a party and just some things that she needs to hash out on her end. So Prince is super into Danny. But she doesn't really want anything distracting her from her goals. So she doesn't like completely brush him off, though. She gives him like three dates to convince her that they should be together. So, you know, romantic hijinks and fun ensues. Um, This is actually coming out in May this year, but it sounds really fun and I can't wait to read it. Promises to have a lot of black pop culture throughout like music and movies And I love how here the guy is the one who was super love focused and the girl is the one that's like, uh, well, you know, I guess, (laughs) basically. (laughs) I'm like, since I've been there, I've been there. Um, So I I think that's just really, really refreshing to me. And I really, I like when I see, um, you know, straight cis men, especially straight cis black men who are, you know, love, like... Not love obsessed, not like it's an, an unhealthy thing, but they're like, you know, hopeless romantics. I think that's yeah. really cute. It's refreshing. It's fun. I think this is going to be super fun. The cover is cute. I already saw talks of people like probably making a playlist, playlists out of like the songs and stuff. So again, that is Love Radio by Ebony Liddell. I was like, how have I not heard of this book? And then you said it doesn't come out till May. And I was like, oh, okay, that's why. I, I was yeah. like, how did I miss this? This sounds adorable. Yeah. It's It sounds like it's going to be super cute. I'm excited to read it. Awesome. So my next pick is Charming as a Verb by Ben Phillip. And this is hysterically funny. I really liked, um, I've read two out of three of Ben Phillip's books. He has another YA called A Field Guide to the North American Teenager. And then he has a memoir, which is technically for adults, but I think teens could read and enjoy it as well. It's called Sure, I'll Be Your Black Friend. And it really gave me like, if you liked Trevor Noah's um, Born a Crime, I think you would like Sure, I'll Be Your Black Friend because like similarly hilarious, but like also a great memoir about growing up um, with like a strong single mom and you know, not a lot of, you know, material items and really overcoming a lot of adversity, but like also it's really hilarious. But Ben Phillips' background is um, he's Haitian Canadian and he lives in the US. 
So that's an interesting perspective that he offers. Charming as a verb is set in New York City. And it's about this Haitian-American teen named Henry. He's um, first-generation immigrant. His dad is, like, a super in a really nice um, Upper West Side apartment building. So people kind of think that, like, maybe he has a bit more money than he really does. He goes to also this, like, really nice school where he is, you know, clearly a scholarship student. But he kind of keeps it almost under wraps by being like excessively charming like he really knows how to like charm people and part of it is like a self-defense mechanism because he realizes that as a young black man like he has to like you know become sort of unthreatening to for a lot of people to not make assumptions about him and he knows how unfair that is but he also just is trying to get through life And so the book opens because he has this really benign hustle going where he's a dog walker in the Upper West Side. And he realizes pretty quickly, though, that, like, it's hard to get, like, solid dog walking jobs, especially if you are a young black male who, like, has access to people's houses and their dogs. And he knows that, like, rich white people want this, like air of respectability, like some sort of layer of respectability. So he designs this app called Uptown Updogs. And it's basically a a dog walking service. And so he is like, the person behind this app that he makes it seem like it's like this big company, or like this local company. Um, And then he's also walking dogs. And he has a few like employees, technically. But basically, like, he'll go and he'll walk dogs and people will, will, like, tip him and they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm sure the app is taking so much money here. Here's have a tip. And he's, like, really double dipping because he owns the app company. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so smart. Oh yeah. And like, like Honestly. I said, it's a benign hustle. I do not feel yeah. bad for the people that he's hustling. Nah, <laughs> they're, so, they'll, they'll live. They'll, they're fine. Like, if they can afford yeah. to pay, like, $60 for you to take their dog for a walk, like. He might as well get it. So mm-hmm. he's doing this and he, because he really wants to go to Columbia. And he knows that it's expensive and his family doesn't have a lot of money. His dad's a super. His mom's a firefighter. So he's just working hard, saving as much money as he can. And he encounters a girl at his school who actually lives in his building. And she's like very, very intense. Like she wants to be a lawyer. She comes from a more privileged background. You know, her mom actually works at Columbia. She's a dean there. And so he gets hired to like walk her dog. And she's, like, immediately suspicious of him because one time he called her intense and she took offense to it. So in retribution, she, like, looks up his his job and she figures out his his hustle, basically. And he's, she's like, I will, you know, expose you unless you help me get popular. And he's like, you want me to she's all that you? And she does not get the reference. And he's just like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need the money. So they, it's so funny. So they, like, they come up with this uh, arrangement where he introduces her and gives her, like, social tips so she can become, like, a more well-rounded person because apparently she's so intense that some of her teachers are, like, worried about her social skills and won't write her, like, college recommendation letters. And in return, like, his job and his app are safe. But of course, as they get to know each other and they get to sort of see behind the curtain of each other's personalities so to speak, it gets a little bit more complicated. Um, I really, really like this book a lot. It's so funny. You know, there's just, there's a lot of like joy that's found in this book. I will say that I think Ben Phillip does a good job of balancing like 
a lot of like the bittersweet like angst and yearning and feelings of what it does mean to be a black first generation immigrant and like the expectations that Henry feels um, the moments of racism that Henry does, you know, face like, you know, they're not something that like defines the book or necessarily, um, you know, makes it turn dark because I do think overall that this is a really hilarious sort of rom-com type of book. But like that is part of his life, but it's really balanced, I think, um, very well with the humor. So that is Charming as a Verb by Ben Phillip. I highly recommend it. And I definitely have to go pick up his other YA book now. His other YA book, or the the other book that you mentioned, uh, even the title. Yes. <laughs> like cackling. I'm just like, okay. He sounds super funny. And after us after us talking about Wordle and then hearing about this hustle, I'm like, how come I don't have any genius hustle ideas? Right. I need to like brainstorm after this show. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, so my final book is One True Loves by Elise Bryant. It's about Lenore Bennett, who is this seemingly confident, popular girl at high school. She seems like she's got everything figured out. She's got it going on and all that. But when it's time to start college at NYU, she's doubting herself. She's not sure about what she wants to major in. Her parents are making her feel like she doesn't really have the space to question things. Um, And I think this comes as a result of like... Like, from an early age, a lot of black kids are told that we don't have leeway like white kids do, which basically translates to, you know, you can't get in trouble, you won't be forgiven, you have to work hard, harder than everyone else, and you don't have time to lallygag and, like, find yourself and all that stuff. So amidst this storm of self-doubt, Lenore's family is going on this Mediterranean cruise, and her friend Tessa thinks Lenore is going to have this amazing romance abroad. Now, I haven't read the book that this is the companion of, which is called Happily Ever Afters, but I do believe Tessa is the main character from that. And I, you you know, you can read these books separately. So Tessa is this hopeless romantic and it's just on another level as far as Lenore and romance are concerned. So of course, Lenore ends up meeting this kid named Alex Um, His family is also on the cruise. And at first, Lenore and Alex really don't care for each other like that. Their families, however, bond, and now they are stuck being around each other for the duration of this cruise. Of course, they start to get to know each other. Like, Alex has these great plans to, like, study medicine and stuff like that. Thing is, Alex doesn't really want a relationship as he just broke up with someone. That someone also happens to be on the cruise, because, which is funny to me, because I feel like literally everyone and their mom is on this cruise. Like, I'm about to be on the <laughs> cruise in a minute. Like, <laughs> Tears and I are going to broadcast podcasts on the cruise. Anyway. I'm ready so to anyways, go. <laughs> listen, a Mediterranean cruise, I am ready. I'm ready to go. Um, so anyway, he's not looking for anything serious. And she doesn't think picturesque romances happen to girls like her anyway Hmm. so but the two of them are going to these beautiful places that just lend themselves so easily to romantic you know endeavors let's say and they're bonding with each other and so you know all those good things happen and um romance ensues of course awesome this is just a really sweet story that is perfect getaway type of read it also has some great realistic elements to it as well Again, that is One True Loves by Elise Bryant. Awesome. Also on my to-read list very soon. Mm-hmm. 
All right. My final pick is Love is a Revolution by Renee Watson. Um, read this book last year. It was one of my favorite YA books that I read last year. So it is about Nala. She is a girl who's living with her aunt and uncle and her cousin because her relationship with her mom is kind of tense. It's summer. She is totally ready for summer break. She doesn't want to do anything but just like hang out with her friends, hang out with her family, eat ice cream, watch Netflix, you know, relatable stuff. But on the, you know, first day of summer, right right when the book starts, it is her cousin um, Amani's birthday. And Amani is like her best friend, her sister, you know, they live together. They're very close. So she, of course, goes to Amani's birthday party and she finds herself in this situation that she's not really comfortable with. It's like this evening open mic type thing hosted by a local um, sort of activist social justice group for teens and like that's really not Nala's scene like it's not that she disagrees with being political or socially active it's just that like that that's not who she is and that's not how you know she doesn't feel comfortable but she meets Ty and Ty is like all in considers himself an activist and she falls hard for Ty and because she's there and she's related to Imani Ty just kind of assumes that, like, she is also an activist and also has the same sort of values. And Nala kind of lets him believe that because she thinks that he is very cute. So she kind of tells a few what she considers tiny lies to sort of find common ground with him. And he's very impressed. The attraction is electric. But as their relationship deepens and the summer progresses, those tiny lies start to come back and bite her in the butt. And it creates a lot of tense moments between her and Ty, but like also between Nala and her cousin Amani and her family. And in the end, Nala is left really, um, you know, reconciling with who she is, who she wants to be, what her values are, and all that. So I, what I love about this book is... You know, Nala is plus size. She learns about how she is deserving of love and how she is beautiful. And that is part of her journey. Um, I would almost say like that aspect of self-love is more um, important than her romance with Ty. Although I really did like the romantic moments with Ty. I thought that they were done really well. Um, I also really love Nala's commitment to her family. You know, she has like a grandmother who lives in an assisted living facility that she prioritizes going to see her and spending time with her and a source of contention between her and Imani is she feels that like Imani is more interested hanging out with her activist friends than like actually visiting their grandmother and being a part of their family's lives and that really rankles her so this is just a really lovely book about Um, how revolutionary love can be, you know, loving yourself, love that you have for your family, but then also romantic love as well. So that is Love is a Revolution by Renee Watson. That's definitely on my list. And I have to say that when I would um, see movies, TV shows, whatever books that had that kind of you know, element where it's like the main character is lying about something and you know they're going to be found out. It always used to make me kind of like cringe, like, oh my God, like, yeah. But I feel like I totally get that now. Like (laughs) having been that, you know, age and having some distance between when I was that age and now I'm like, 
I get it, honestly. Like, you don't want to be rejected. It's understandable, honestly, you know? Yeah. And I think this book does a good job of showing how, like, you know, Nala doesn't go into the situation being like, I'm going to lie to get this guy to yeah. like me. But, like, he asks her questions, and in the moment, she makes some split-second decisions that aren't exactly. entirely honest, and then it's, like, too late. She's in too deep. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Um, and she doesn't, yeah, she doesn't come at it from a dishonest place, but it's it's a slippery slope. So I, I really like that aspect of the book, because I thought that it was handled well, and I agree with you. Sometimes that aspect, I'm like... Uh, don't do uh, it <laughs> why you know how this will end yeah why? but in those those split second decisions it's understandable especially it's like okay he already expects this of me i don't want to let him down you know yeah. the rejection is more painful than a lot of things so i totally get that yeah so yeah it was a great book and that's our show <laughs> So <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in this week. We hope that you pick up these books and you discover some some good, joyful stories because they're all very, very happy and uplifting and reaffirming. So you can leave us feedback on the show on Apple Podcasts to let us know how we're doing. It also helps others find us. And you can also email us at heyya at bookriot.com. Um, don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts, and all things bookish. Thanks to today's sponsors, and thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Tears of Price. That's at T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. And Erica, how about you? I, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Erica underscore E-Z-E underscore. That's E-R-I-C-A underscore E-Z-E underscore. Awesome. Um, well, this has been fun, and we hope mm-hmm. that you will tune in again in two weeks. 